Please stand as I read the readings from 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Please be seated. Well, good morning. You weren't expecting to see me up here, were you? And up till about 39 hours ago, I wasn't expecting to be up here either. I like to say God has a sense of humor. So, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Rusty Smith. I serve as an elder here, and um, I'm not a preacher. I'm a physical therapist. And I have my day job as I serve at the University of Lynchburg as the Dean of the College of Health Science. Uh, more importantly, my wife, Beth, I think many of you know, I'm blessed with her and three children, and we, we have six grandchildren. And most likely you know three of them, as the Pearsons are here. Well, they're not here this morning, we'll come to that. But in any case, they, they are members here with their three children. Uh, so we are excited to be also have six, and there's three of them down in Florida. And my understanding is they may be watching too, so I will give a shout out uh, to them as well, to Rowan, Caleb, and Emmy. So what happened? Oh, let me back up a second. Uh, so Beth's, Beth is not here, nor, my, nor Jesse and Tony and the three kids. Uh, so that looks a little strange, no? Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the Pearsons are, are struggling at home with, some, with a bug going through, and uh, this morning Beth was asked to come and help as well as Jesse has uh, significant migraines, so she is over there. So uh, the kids are all excited to see me on TV, and as I say, Beth has the opportunity now to turn me off, <laughs> or at least turn the volume down in any case. So why am I here? Well, the long and short of it is Bob Davis, who uh, has been filling in the pulpit in the absence of our uh, pastor who is on sabbatical, Brian Rigg, Bob preached on this very topic, this very verse, these very verses, 1 Peter 2, through 4, 2, 4 through 10, which includes our life verse as a church. And he called Friday evening and 
he also is, is sick, come down the bug, and he is not able to be here. And so we elders started to um, text frantically as to what was going to happen. Um, and this is all Chris Messiano's fault. Thank you, Chris. As Chris was talking, he goes, you know, I just was really touched that this, we're pushing the pause button right on our verse. And how cool would it be if one of the elders, Rusty, could step up? Unless you've got something else in your pocket, right? Another sermon. Uh, and we talked more, and it did excite me. I mean, this, this is really special for us. This is our verse. Uh, we, we, you know, we really focus as leaders, as a church, on this, that we, we indeed are people who had once not received mercy, but now we've received mercy. And you know, I've been here now since 19, sorry, 19, listen to me, 20, we came in 2011, we actually visited in the fall of 2010, walked in and there were 40 people in the cafeteria at the elementary school, and I said, Lord, no, no, I don't want a church plant, no. That was where my heart was, it really was. I was in a period of my life where I wanted to be fed. Um, halfway through that service, with, Bob, with, with Rob Edwards and the worship time, Beth and I looked at each other and go, this is it. This is our home. And we've been here ever since then. We, came in 20, we moved in 2011 and came, and so it became an elder. And we, be, we became a church in 2013, so I've had the honor to serve, serve that long. So that verse means a lot, and Chris knew that. So I said, sure. I actually asked my wife. I said, Beth, what do you think? And you know, women in their infinite wisdom, she says, do you feel called by God to teach that? Well, and I was like, yeah, so here I am. So I do, I'm, I'm excited. Very rare that I get fearful standing in front of people, but for this I am, today I am, because I just feel the weight of this. Uh, and during this whole weekend, you know, basically doing a crash course of putting this all together, I do want to thank my fellow elders and family and all those that heard that I was in need of prayer this weekend, and so thank you for that. I had a real sense of, of being uplifted, and, uh, and quite honestly, I, I feel like I've learned a lot from the Holy Spirit. And so my hope is to be able to take all these various nuggets that I've learned and put them in a format that you're able to do that. Uh, in reality, I am praying for Bob to heal, but if it takes longer, that's okay, because I think I have a four-week series already planned out, okay? So, uh, but, so the title of this sermon is Proclaiming His Excellencies, and the subtitle is A Sermon Still Under Construction. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I do thank you uh, that you are sovereign, Lord, and you work things out for your glory. We pray this morning that as I look at this, this passage with your people, that lives would be changed, spirit, that you would work in their hearts. We would grow closer and closer to you, Lord, as we come to deeper appreciation of what it is that we indeed are a people. What is our purpose, and then how we proclaim you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So being a good Presbyterian, I decided to come up with three points, and those are all P's. People, per purpose, proclamation. People, basically what is our identity? The purpose that the Lord has given to his people and that purpose is to proclaim. 
because I'm afraid that I might lose you as I'm still putting together the puzzle, and I can show you the notes I even took in the car in my lap as I was driving, and I now realize my wife will be upset that I just shared that. So it is still under construction. So I decided on the way in, I'm just going to start with the very end. So here's what I have for you at the very end. Mercy, my beloved mercy. May we embrace our identity in Jesus. May we understand our purpose to proclaim his excellencies. May we celebrate Jesus. May we be used by him here in Forest as ambassadors demonstrating his love and his mercies that he showers on us daily. You want to snooze? Now's the time to snooze. Okay? So here's the long version of that. Review. I'm a professor. Last week, for those of you that were not here, I'll give you a quick synopsis on what Bob Davis shared with us. And for those that were here, you need a review anyway. That's the professor in me. In a sense, Bob emphasized the qualities of the people. He really focused in on our identity. And if you recall, he had three questions. One, who are you? Two, what is happening to you? And three, where are you headed? In terms of who are you, he basically identified, I think correctly, that in our culture there's a tendency for us to look inside ourselves to create our own identity. A human-centered approach, he said. He then encouraged us to see that it, for us, not to look inside per se, but to look to God. Indeed, the Word will show us who we are. And this, portion, this passage does that. So who does God say in his Word that you are? Look inside. And again, we are in Christ. We have a new identity. But I can't preach that all over again though I want to. What's happening to you? Well, in verse 5 in this section that we just read, we are being built up. We are being, being, being built up. And as God is reminding me for many, many decades now, this is a journey. We're not home. This is a journey. And we're being built up through this journey Praise God, we're not alone in that journey. We have the Lord walking alongside of us. That's why I love the story of Emmaus. Right? That's our story. He's with us. And not only is he with us, but you're with me. And I'm with you. And I can tell you, we as elders, we pray for you. We celebrate with you. We agonize with you. Not with you, sorry, over you, whatever it might be. We cry with you. Pray for us as we continue to do that and move forward with that. So who are we? What's happening to you? And then where in the world are we headed? That was my version, not Bob's. But where, his was, where are we headed? Where in the world are we headed? Well, actually, we're headed towards outside the world, a spiritual house that we have we're being set apart for access to the creator. We have been set apart for access to the creator. That we are priests. We are part of the royal priesthood. And that we also then, even today, are off, where, where, we're head, where, sorry, where we're headed is to offer spiritual sacrifices as part of all that journey. 
So we have a new identity as we are being built on a new foundation, Jesus. Now, let's move into the second part of our outline, the purpose. We know who we are as people. Now we're going to look at purpose. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that's, again, part of our identity, being people. And what's the purpose? So that we may be prosperous and be peaceful and get along and sing kumbaya. If I were Peter, I think that's probably where I would have gone. At least I thought that years and years and years ago and still do that. Things bother me because they don't go the way they're supposed to. The way I think they're supposed to. Right? That's not God's purpose. His purpose is so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Or the King James Version, which I've got to use. I'm not a big King James Version supporter, so you've probably never heard me requote, but I love this. That ye should shew forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That we should show. Again, we don't have this God-given identity because for us to be a peaceful life, an easy life, but rather one that, that, that provides to him, proclaims his excellencies to the world. So we are a people with a purpose. Here's your identity in Jesus, and now here's the purpose that we have. I think it's important to realize that identity drives action. Our identity drives our action. My grandson, Caleb, Caleb Russell. Yesterday I heard, my, I got a phone call from my son. He's been, Caleb's been playing softball. Softball, doesn't mean baseball. Sorry, soccer. He's been playing soccer. He's four and, a, four and a half years old. It is soccer. He's not enjoying it. He's not enjoying it. So... But yesterday, he woke up, and he said, Dad, my name is Godzilla. Four and a half. Now, my son, growing up, by the way, was really into Godzilla. I mean, like, hardcore addict of Godzilla. And so he had Godzilla. They played Godzilla. He's given him Godzilla toys, and so they played Godzilla a lot. So he decided when he goes to play soccer, he's going to be Godzilla. So the coach comes up to Caleb and says, what's, you know, it's your kids, what, what's your name? Caleb, what's your, he goes, what's your name? Caleb says, Godzilla. Coach says, what? My son had explained to him what was going on. My son told me that playing as Godzilla, he elevated his game. You see, his identity changed. And so therefore, his actions changed. And we need to be thinking about that as well. So if you're wrestling with your actions, perhaps because you've forgotten what your identity is in Jesus. For those of you that are still with me, and you want the second short version, just go to the Shorter Catechism, question one. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's really the purpose that we're being told here, to proclaim his excellencies of him. Very similar to God rescuing the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. He took that peculiar chosen people through a journey. And those people were tasked, tasked 
with praising his work and God's presence in their lives. And mercy, that's the same for us. It's the same God throughout his story. Proclaim. I've really wrestled over the last 39 hours, well, at least the hours that I was awake. I really wrestled with that word. It seemed so formal to me. And then as I looked at different versions, different translations, there were different ways to interpret that. Uh, some said may show forth the excellencies. Others said should show forth. Some said set forth the wonderful deeds. Some said may speak of. One said now you must tell, may declare. So there's all these different ways of other translations, I think, struggling with that word. What was consistent with each of those versions, however, was that there was a sense of that declaring and proclaiming and praising and speaking of God's excellencies should be a high priority, high purpose. And as an elder of this church, I agree and feel compelled that we look into that a little deeper. Okay, how about the Greek I said to myself? That's dangerous because, again, I'm a physical therapist. But I can Google with the best of them. So I found all kinds of sources, which I could believe and trust, triangulated. And I, I found the following. By the way, the, the word is, I'm looking for it here. Oh, here we Oops, excuse me. I've lost the word in Greek. I had it all sounded out and everything. But essentially, what the word said was to tell out or forth, to show forth, to declare abroad, to divulge, to publish, to preach, to herald. Hear ye, hear ye, came to my mind. To make known by praising or proclaiming. So those are the words that came together. And as I wrestled with that, I thought to myself, what's a word that I can use that communicates all of that depth? And proclaim, I like the word proclaim. There's a, there's a formality to it, thinking of a stamp. Right? But in terms of our own lives, the word I came up with was more celebrate. We like to celebrate. So there's this cognitive standpoint of, hey, this is good, and there's this emotional aspect where we're going to celebrate. And so I like the, I like the, I like the idea of celebrating. And one of the things that we do recently, we've started with the grandkids, is often we get together, every Friday evening we get together with the Pearsons, and so the three grandkids are there with us as well. Oh, that's right, Tony and Jesse are there too. Uh, but, but nonetheless, Beth, those of you who know Beth, she's a tremendous cook, tremendous cook. And so what we started to do is we start celebrating people when they do something for their family. It's tacky, but it's me. Baba, we call, they call Beth Baba. Baba brings over a meal or something, and we're all enjoying it. And I'm like, hey, let's give up. Baba, shout out. What a great job here. We start to clap. We clap. Yay, Baba. Everybody cheers. We celebrate that. That's what we're being asked to do here, is to publicly make a scene, to proclaim the excellencies. Right? 
So again, celebrate. And we see that throughout all the Psalms. Celebration makes me think of celebrating a team. There's a team that I, the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. It's been difficult, but it's getting better. I can celebrate them. And I don't go to a ball game and just sit and celebrate. I mean, I'm celebrating, right? Just strike, I'm standing up, home run, we're standing up, high-fiving people you've never met before. Right? That's part of this word. Okay? And we see that in Matthew 3 at the baptism of Jesus. Three, six, Matthew 3.16. After he was baptized, Jesus came immediately up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. I'm hoping I can get past all the Sunday schoolized information that we the views that we have of this text. But think about that. The, the heavens were opening, open. We're talking celebration, y'all. Bigger than fireworks. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, settling on him, and behold, a voice from the heavens said, this is my beloved son. Celebration. Fireworks. With whom I am well pleased. If the Father felt so the need to share that with Jesus, we need to be doing that with each other, Mercy. I want to hear at future session meetings that I have a problem at Mercy, and that problem is people are just too nice to me. They're too kind. They're celebrating me. I want to hear that. How cool would that be? So what are we to proclaim? What are we supposed to be celebrating? His excellencies. And I do have this Greek word. Arate. At least that's what YouTube. You can YouTube and they'll tell you how to say it. Arate. His excellencies. His fame. What's highest? Virtue. Highest potentials. There's only four verses that have arate in it. And three of them are from Peter. One was from Philippians. In Philippians second, in Philippians. Verse 8, it says, Whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worth of praise, dwell on these things. That's what we're to be proclaimed. So we are to proclaim, we're called to proclaim, to celebrate his excellencies. So we have people, we have purpose. And now we're to proclaim. So why do we proclaim? First, we as believers are to announce the excellencies of God because it is he who has called, sorry, it is, because God is he who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right there in the, con- the context, we're given the, pur- we're, we're, we're given the purpose. Because he, why, or sorry, the why behind the purpose, because God has called us out of that. In light of that, we are grateful. The word darkness refers to our condition before coming to Christ. If one is apart from Christ, sorry, if one is apart from God, they live in darkness and are under the control of the prince of darkness. Not my words, it's the words of the scriptures. You can go to Ephesians 2 and 1 John 5 and others. We've been called out of that darkness. We rejoice. We are, the second reason we proclaim is our status has changed from not belonging to belonging. We now are a people. You belong. One of the saddest things of life is to feel like you don't belong. We've all been there. We've all been through middle school. And sometimes I say life is nothing more than an extended middle school. Third, 
We as believers announce the excellencies of God because we have personally experienced his mercy. Again, once we did not have mercy, now we have mercy. And for that reason, we proclaim. People, purpose, proclaim. So, what do we proclaim? We could start very broadly, and we could talk about the attributes of God. We could, we could His holiness, his infinite, eternal, omnipresent. And indeed, we need to proclaim those virtues. I think if, if we're looking contextually here, that we can, what we need to praise and proclaim to the world and to each other is his work in our lives. Specifically here, he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You think of Romans 5, 6 through 11. You see at the right, just at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Are you feeling powerless? You have good company. At the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So the focus of our proclamation relates to Peter's focus on our changed identity. All the things that add up to this, that we, that we are a stone, we are, we, are, we are part of the temple, the cornerstone of Jesus, that we are a people, that we're a royal priesthood. All of that is the reason why we proclaim. So how do we proclaim? How do we proclaim? We proclaim in worship. That's the importance of coming together in worshiping. Colossians 3, 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We proclaim his excellencies through the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 through 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and knowing that we could not do that alone, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we proclaim through worship, we proclaim from, from sharing his word with others, the impact that the Lord has had on us. We proclaim His Excellencies also in the role of ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, through you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the, righteous, the righteousness of God. So we proclaim his excellencies by being ambassadors. What would happen to an ambassador if suddenly they started badmouthing the United States while they're representing the United States? They'd be removed. The expectation is that, that person, the ambassador, is going to share, herald, proclaim excellencies. We also proclaim his excellencies relationally. John 13, 34 through 35. One of my favorite verses, particularly when it comes to relationships. 
A new command I give you, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we're called to love because that essentially is an apologetic, that we're showing the world the truth of our Lord and his love for us. So Peter shares with us our new identity in Christ. Our purpose is to proclaim his excellencies, and we proclaim, we celebrate through worship, sharing of his word, being ambassadors, focus on the ministry of reconciliation, and relationally loving one another. So how do we apply? We're coming towards the end here, y'all. How do we apply? Mercy, you are a people set apart by God with a purpose to proclaim and celebrate our Lord who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Identity will direct your action. Friends, my encouragement to you would be to spend time reevaluating your perception of your identity. One of the nuggets that I'm walking away from this intense study of the last day or so is when I feeling like, boy, I'm just not hitting on all cylinders. Something's not right. I'm going to go back and reevaluate how I'm perceiving what my identity is. What is my identity? Our purpose is to proclaim his excellencies. And again, that's easily the shorter category of question number one. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Remembering that's not in our strength, but in his. Proclamation, celebration. Think about ways you could grow in worship. What's that look like? How do I grow? And how we celebrate him. How do we love one another? How do we show mercy to one another? If you were in my classroom, I would, have stand, I would have you sit and look towards each other and say, how do I show mercy to you? But that's a little awkward in the church, no? But maybe afterwards, we've finished, you can turn to the other person and say, how do I show mercy to you? Or even a better question, how am I showing mercy to you? Or where do you need mercy? Right. We've got a lot of decisions in front of us as a church building, what that looks like. And I've been through church buildings before. It is not usually an easy road for a church. We argue about the strangest things, in my opinion. Colors, organ, no organ. Right? I hope as we move forward in all those decisions that are coming up we have that we're looking at each other with mercy and with grace. How do we grow relationally? What's that look like in our home? What's that look like with my wife? How do I grow that? How do you grow that? What are the relationships? How do I grow that relationship with him, whoever that might be in your family? There's always one. Someone once said to me, if there's not one, then guess what? It might be you. How do we love the community? Right? How do we proclaim the community? We proclaim to the community through our actions. We meet the needs of the community. We have the deacons that lead us in that. We have the care portal. We have the pregnancy center. 
how do we meet the needs of the community? That is the, one of the ways we proclaim. I have to share a quick story. Some 60 years ago, Leota Heard attended a church with her husband and three girls, 15, 12, and 10. They became friends with another family, young family, with a son three years old, and mama was due with another little girl. And they became really close friends. The sadness of the story is shortly after giving birth to a daughter, the mother passed away. Before she passed away, she shared with Leota Hurd and said, who's going to take care of my babies? And Leota Hurd said, I will. The three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old boy, one-week-old girl spent the next two years basically as a part of the Hurd family. By now, you probably realize I was the three-and-a-half-year-old boy. Leota Hurd preached to me the excellencies of our Lord. She passed away yesterday, 99 years old. And I had to give her a shout-out. That, my friends, is how we proclaim excellencies as well. It's just not simply preaching. Can you imagine the impact that has had on me for the last 62 years? You now know my age, right? Huge impact. My third mother, as I call her. How do we love the community? Roe v. Wade. It's a toughie, huh, in our society. What's our response? There's no doubt in my mind, even in this congregation, we'd have different opinions about what transpired and where that is. My hope and prayer is that way that we proclaim his excellencies during this difficult time as a culture is that we are more focused on discussion and listening than debate and talking. There comes a time that we need to share where we are for sure. But again, it's a discussion, not a debate. My hope is that we converse out of love, not out of a desire to persuade and convince. Think about that. And then again, how do we reflect God's image? To me, that's part of the big picture here. As we interact with folks relationally, do we reflect, do we understand that they indeed reflect God's image? That's how we can proclaim his excellencies because the way we interact with that individual that reflects his image. And yes, we need to be ready for, to be able to share his word. So it's word and deed. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter again. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. But, it's Peter's words, not mine. This is Peter. I'm not a Peter, y'all. I'm a lover. <laughs> Peter says, give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Someone once told me no one has ever been argued into the kingdom of heaven. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, as we're moving into a new building, a couple thoughts here as an elder. One, we are building a building. Jesus is building his church. We are a family, God's family. 
We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, Mercy. We are a holy nation. We are a people of God's own possession so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'd like to share very quickly here at the end Mercy Vision Statement. Our desire is to be a church that reflects the mercy we have received from God to our neighbors in forest. And to be a church that proclaims the excellencies of him who called us. You see why I had to say yes, I needed to do today's sermon? And to be a church that proclaims the excellencies of him who called us. We believe the church is not simply a place where we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the church is, a, is itself part of the gospel. As people are drawn together through Jesus and model God's mercy to their community. In short, this is from our vision, recipients of mercy becoming reflectors of mercy and heralds of Christ. If you only heard one thing today, that's what I want you to hear. That we are recipients of mercy becoming reflectors of mercy and heralds of Christ. Mercy, may we embrace our identity in Jesus. May we understand our purpose to proclaim his excellencies. May we celebrate Jesus and may we be used by him here in Forest as ambassadors, demonstrating his love and his mercies that he showers on us daily. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you for our identity in you. And Lord, if there's any here that do not have that identity, I pray that they would come up and speak with me today and we can discuss that identity. We thank you for the identity you've given us. We pray that you would help us individually and Lord, maybe even more so as a body of believers, to proclaim your excellencies today. We pray that we would not go through today without proclaiming those excellencies to somebody else, to those around us, to those who are in Christ, to those that do not know you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to proclaim those excellencies, that more people would be brought out of the darkness into light, from death to light. Lord, please, please. Cause more people today, through our lives, to be showered by your love. May we represent you to this community, to this body of believers. Lord, may they know that we indeed are a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Lord, for we belong to you as your possession. We thank you that you've brought us out of the darkness into light through the Son, Lord Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.